Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you today, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What a privilege it is to be in the presence of Almighty God. Just about nine or ten of us here, but it certainly feels like there's a, a lot more than that. And I'm sure there is. The presence of the Lord is <clears throat> such a wonderful thing. What an opportunity it is for us to be gathered together again today to be able to bring you the service via the internet. And um, hopefully we'll hear some news this week of what our governor is planning on doing as far as allowing people to gather together for church. We're not sure yet, but we'll just deal with it the best we can. <clears throat> we know the Lord will help us. Let us read together, if you would, First John chapter 2. Amen. We so appreciate the word of the Lord. Brother Darrell will be speaking for us here Wednesday night, so I want you to remember him. God will just put on his heart those things that we have need of. First John chapter 2. Again, we'll read verses 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, that he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I want you to notice how John says this in verse 17. It's not him that believes it. It's not him that says he believes it. It's not him that reads it, even agrees that it's right. But him that does the will of God will abide forever. Maybe we can just pray together. So I appreciate the brothers being with us here today. <clears throat> Heavenly Fathers, we bow our heads, Lord. We want to say how we appreciate this awesome presence of God that we've sensed you among us today, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much. Lord God, we're not singing about a celebrity. We're not singing and worshiping some football star, some movie star, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I believe you're pleased with it, Lord, because your presence has come among us and we're so thankful for that. Father, we desire to bring before you today all the needs of your people. How many, Lord, are suffering? How many are sick? How many, dear God, have been diagnosed with bad diagnosis as far as the doctors are concerned? But Lord Jesus, we're looking to you. You are our healer, our deliverer, our God, our King. We ask today that you would help us, Lord. Speak to us your unfailing words of life. Heavenly Father, we call upon your great name today and we're asking you that you'd bring a deliverance to our nation, to our world. Lord, you see this disease, this thing, this infectious thing out of hell, Lord, that has so afflicted humanity, over 200,000 people losing their lives and millions, oh God, being affected by it. We call on the name of Jesus. Your word says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Then I'll hear from heaven. Lord God, hear us today, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Bring deliverance, Father. Make a way where your people can be able to get back to work and where we can get back to church, Father God. We call on the name of Jesus and ask you, Lord, that you'd move for us. We love you, Father. We thank you, dear God. Speak to us today your words, we ask, in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Amen. God bless you. You may <clears throat> be seated, brothers, that are here with us. And those of you streaming, we certainly just desire your prayers today as well. I imagine that all of these things that have happened to us in the last several weeks, businesses shut down, uh, churches shut down, all kinds of things that have gone on. I'm sure that it points real believers in a direction to help us to realize that man is not in control as much as he would like to think that he is. Man, with all of his scientific research, he can send uh, men to the moon, and now they've done that several times, and send all kinds of spaceships into outer space, and all the things that they've been able to do. And yet here we are by one little virus, which has basically paralyzed not only our nation, but paralyzed the world. And I wonder how that for many people, no doubt they're, they've lost fortunes. We hear about it. Of course, daily is the stock market doing what it's doing, and many people uh, heard just yesterday where the suicide rate has increased, domestic violence has increased, uh, sexual abuse has increased, divorce has increased in these last uh, several weeks, and it shows us what a, a dilemma that man really gets in when his world gets all upset. And he gets out of control of what he's no longer able to do. And this is only a, a very small, small thing of what the tribulation period is going to be like. I'm so grateful to God, I will not be here by His grace. <clears throat> and I would advise you, if you've not made plans, you make plans not to be here as well. It's hard for us to comprehend a being as Satan that would love this type of chaos and turmoil. But yet we know that he does. Jesus described him as a thief. And he said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. Satan is actually in his moment in these types of worldly chaotic things. It makes no sense to us because it interrupts what we really are. We love peace. We love tranquility. We love being able to go about our jobs and our homes and our lives and just mind our own business as it were. But yet Satan, this must be as it was a great time of exhilaration. How it, it just does something to him to be able to see people so tore up. He loves to see people in divorce. He loves to see chaos as it moves in the home. He loves to see even us believers in the full word. He loves to see us as we feel uncertain about the times that we're in and not knowing what's this going to be and how's that going to be. He loves seeing the political world all tore up and here we are in an election year. We've never had an election year like this since the founding of our nation to where that the political opponents could not be able to have their gatherings and go about. So it makes an uncertainty in politics. It makes it an uncertainty in the virologists, those who study such things and those who's looking at all the diseases and getting all their data together. And we've never dealt with a, a virus like this to where people could be asymptomatic carrying this thing around, spreading it to all the different people you talk 
talking about a demon that is broken to a realm that has been able to hide himself. Hide his even his own symptoms by which people normally would have sniffles or sneezes or this or that. And yet he's able to spread it as it was a silent death. A silent killer as it moves among the people. But I would just like to let the devil know today. He might have took our nation unaware. He might have taken the world unaware. He might have even taken us as Happy Valley Church, as a lot of different believers around the world in in a state of unawares. But he did not catch our Lord Jesus in an unaware state. And I would like to remind Satan today that no matter how much he would like to act as if though he's in such charge, no, we want to let him know he's not in charge. For even in the time of such things that are going on, I hear of prayers that are being answered by our Lord. I hear of miracles that are happening and wonderful things that are transpiring. So it lets us know in the time of great illusionment, when Satan is trying to move among the people and cause such chaos, our God is still the mighty God. Now, Satan loves to deal in this sort of realm of what we've looked at for several services here in the world and the realm of the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, whenever we deal with this element of pride, just so you might wonder, does God not want you as grandparents, when you have a grandchild, that would be able to accomplish something and say uh, they, they would be able to make a grade A in their school and and maybe they were struggling with C's and D's and does God have a problem with you saying honey I'm so proud of you you've done such a good job of course not whenever we see accomplishments and things in our life of our children and we say I'm so proud of you you've done a good job does, is this what God is talking about of course not and there's an element of pride that God gives us as his people but the danger line is when Whenever we as the people of God or people out here that are not even regenerated, when they break into that realm to where the whole life is motivated and it's, you'll notice the words that John used, John actually called it the pride of life. So their whole life then is motivated. I, I have an element of pride as the pastor of the church whenever I hear our groups get together and they practice and the musicians and they, they do a song that is so pleasing to the Lord and the Holy Ghost comes down and my heart just swells. I, I'm I'm not so much proud just of the human element, yet I am because I'm proud that they've taken their gifts and their talents and their abilities and they're using them for Jesus Christ. But I'm also proud in the sense that I feel like the Lord was pleased with what they did and he sent his presence down in a wonderful way and it lets me know the Lord Jesus loved what he heard. That makes my heart as a pastor have an element of pride. But that is is not the pride of life that we're talking about. So, you know, whenever we think about the people of God, and you might say, well, Brother Donnie, why would the people of God struggle with the pride of life? And we know simply because that our bodies are not born again. Our spirits are not converted. They still remain in that natural element exactly as we were when we were born in this human life. Now, even the Apostle Paul, 
was given a mysterious thorn in order to help him deal with the pride of life which could have got the better of him had God not given it to him. Now I know that people say well as Christians surely the Holy Ghost can conquer absolutely everything that we need in life. Well all we have to go by friends are the examples in the scripture and in the message of the hour and if we have a man that was not only a born again man, Paul, not only a man that was a preacher not only a man that was a great resounding man and had such understanding no one in the New Testament was able to surpass the ability and the circumstances this this man had yet his visions would not keep him his experiences even his moving beyond the curtain of time that would not keep him now don't let this stagger you even the true baptism of the Holy Ghost in this man's soul it needed something else that God knew in his wisdom would help keep him humble now you think, well, won't the Holy Ghost do it? Sure, the Holy Ghost will do it. But according to the abundance of what God gives to individuals, sometimes God actually has to use something that will attack the flesh. Now, we know that our flesh is really important to all of us. We feed it, we nurture it, we love it. We've loved it since we learned how to love. And it's a strange relationship that we have with ourselves because we love slash hate ourselves. We hate it because it gets in our way. We hate it because it hinders us from being closer to God. But there ain't nobody in the world you and I love any better than ourselves. And you might as well say amen. Because we feed ourselves, we take care of ourselves, we defend ourselves, we take up for ourselves, and we defend ourselves when we do wrong. We defend ourselves even if people misunderstand us our feelings get hurt because we are wrapped up in ourselves and yet we know that there's something about even the mystery of this and the way that God dealt with the apostle Paul and we'll read about it in 2 Corinthians 12 that there was a danger that Paul would reach an element of pride but his pride was not that he built the best tent his pride was not that he understand the tannins of that day and understood that he could put those skins down in the vats and be able to get down in there with his feet and his legs and tread around on those leathers and die them. Now remember, this is what he does as far as secular work. But his pride was not so much that he learned how to embroider with certain threads and be able to weave certain things in. It was not that. His element of pride was because of his visions, his revelations, his understandings of the word, of the will, and the making of God. Now you're talking about a danger that the saved people of God, I believe for us as message people, that we will have to face this more than any other group of people on the face of the earth. The Baptist folks go to church. Many of them love God. They're doing everything they know to do. I'm not here to, to run them down or nothing like that. But compared to what our Sunday school children would know about redemption and the Godhead and serpent seed, they would be able to put many theologians to shame. 
But if we don't use that knowledge in the right way, then it can puff up our head. And it can puff up our attitude, our supernatural experiences, our understanding of the seals, of the evening light, of the third pool, the opening of the word, so on and so on and so on. And then we get to a spot to where we feel like, well, we don't really even need the Spirit of God anymore. We always need the Spirit of God. No matter how much we know or how much we think we know. Now, let us read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would, in verse 6. Paul said, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. So that lets us know right there, only fools glory. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be. Now, here is a great leader. Now, the leader knows he has the ability of putting his gifts, his walk with God, his experiences in such a place. All he's doing is telling the truth. He's only telling the truth of what he's seen God do. He's telling the truth of what God has done for him, through him, and with him. But yet he has the ability of saying it in such a way that he can tell every word the truth. But he says it in such a way, maybe leaving out that God is doing the same thing with his comrades. God is doing the same thing with other churches and other ministries that he knows. And he simply leaves that out and it projects him a little bit higher and a little bit above his brethren. But Paul said, I am not going to do that so that you all will not think. Now there was a twofold danger in this and that was that Paul would think himself to be that and the other fold of that danger was that the people that were around him would also do the same thing. Now this is as wrong as cutting your hair or anything else because it's contrary to the word. Lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be or that he heareth of me and lest I should be Exalted. Now notice this, a church age messenger, a prophet of God, an apostle, a preacher, a born again man, a man that had such revelations and a visitation beyond the curtain of time. Even now, don't get mad at me, Paul was even allowed to go farther than what Brother Branham did. Well, now, Brother Branham said himself, he said, of what I saw, and he said, Paul went even farther than that. Brother Branham could tell us what he saw and heard. Paul couldn't. So wherever he went, he went into a higher sphere and a higher realm than Brother Branham did. Now, there was a danger in this that you say, Brother Darley, how in the world would that get to a man? Because he was the only one in the New Testament that was allowed to go there. He was the only one in the New Testament that was able to write of the description of the types and the antitypes of the Old Testament in the book of Hebrews, the atonement, and all the things that God did. None of the rest of them could touch him. Now, don't misunderstand me. You could take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You could take all of the New Testament preachers and put them on one pile and put Paul on the other. He would outweigh every one of them. It was the same way with Brother Branham. That's just the way that it was. So a man with abundant gifts and abundant revelation, he must also watch the danger of this. Now, we know we've all seen many folks that get so elevated. Notice the word here that Paul used. Unless I should be exalted above measure. And this word means exalt oneself to lift or raise up over something, to lift oneself up, be haughty, to carry oneself haughtily, to behave insolently 
toward one. Now this is what the pride of life will do in attitude. Now whether it is a new car, a new dress, uh, you make more money than the other people who come to the church, so therefore you look at yourself as being better than them and you treat them in an insolent manner. Well, as it's done that way naturally, it can be done that way spiritually. And preachers have to fight this just like everybody else does. Singers, musicians, all types of people, any person that God uses is going to fight this in one way or another. Now, let me go ahead and say it this way. And the men or people who God uses most, more than likely, will fight it worse than those that God uses less. Now, there are those who, of course, are jealous of divine favor. They are jealous of divine use because they see God use a man or use a woman, if it be a singer or something like that, or sisters can be used just as well as men can. And they fight that because they'll think, well, why don't God use me that way? I wish God, but if you only knew what came with it on the other side. Because God wants to use his children, but he also knows his children are captured in this prison house. And this prison house is that which can be able to get exalted in the pride of life. Now, notice this, Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure, how? Through the abundance of the revelations. Now we're not talking about because I made such a great living and I, I made so much money. But Paul, there was a danger that laid in front of Paul of being exalted because he had been given more revelations than the rest of his brothers. Now we would look at that and think, oh, how wonderful, how glorious. Oh, it is one side of it. But there is also another side. Now, I know, I know, I know, we don't like trials, we don't like difficulties, and we don't like sickness and strains. But let me just say to you this morning, I've been reading the Bible for a long time, for many years. I've been listening to message and studying the message for many years. I've never found nowhere in either the Bible or the message where Christians are exempt from trouble. I do not understand the mindset of Christians whenever difficulty comes their way, sicknesses comes their way, even terrible diseases come their way, and they're just ready to throw up and quit. I, I do not understand where that comes from. The Bible does not tell us that our genes and our atoms and our bones and our muscles have got the Holy Ghost. It does not tell us that our, our, our DNA is exempt from cancer. Oh, blah, 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 I don't want thing. Somebody in my family got cancer. I'm going to quit serving God. Well, that's about one of the dumbest things I ever heard in my life. If you ever needed God, you need him now that you've got that report that you've got TB or you've got cancer. My goodness, where do we get this at that God somehow don't love us? Well, Brother Donnie, how can a Christian uh, get cancer? Hey, you're a human. Your blood ain't, ain't fortified with the Holy Ghost. Your cells ain't fortified. Where do we get this nonsense? I'll tell you where we get it at. We get it from false teaching and lies out of the pits of hell. Satan knows that he can destroy many people because they somehow get this in their mind. All Christians don't have bad things. If anybody's going to have bad things to happen to them, it's going to be children of God. And the word does not tell us it won't come. As a matter of fact, my Bible tells me many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. But that only works if you'll let him do that for you. And that'll only work if you don't get an attitude against 
against God, which is one of the craziest things in the world, that trouble comes and you get an attitude against God. He's the only one that can help you through these difficult times. So you can see why Satan does it. Notice now Paul says, because of the above, listen, I should go above this great thing that God gave me. I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn. I want you to notice now what he identifies this and where it was placed. There was given unto me a thorn in the... Wow, why wasn't it in the soul? Didn't need it in the soul. Holy Ghost was in the soul. But the flesh didn't have the Holy Ghost. Well, praise God. Oh, this is the white dog, black dog. No matter how you look at it, friends, it comes right back to the same thing. Your body ain't born again. Now, I know some of you want to act like it is, but you might as well accept the truth and just accept facts. Your body is your enemy. Your flesh is your enemy, and you cannot trust it. Oh, praise God. Notice this, that was given unto me, given to me rather, a thorn in the flesh. And listen what this was, this thorn. It was a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Well, don't. What about the Holy Ghost? What about the dreams? And what about the Word? What about the Scriptures? I mean, can't the Scriptures keep you? Can't the baptism of the Holy Ghost keep you? Now remember, a thorn in the flesh is not the same thing as a besetting sin. This actually was allowed by the sovereignty of God. There's a difference in a thorn and a besetting sin. Because the Bible tells us, what is it, Hebrews 12, 2, that therefore lay aside that sin which so easily besets you, which shows there's power in us to lay aside a besetting sin. We cannot be able to move a thorn from our body. Paul prayed and prayed and sought the Lord three times and he said my grace is sufficient Paul so what did that do it helped Paul to understand you know what apparently I need this now look no matter how much we want to think we're spiritual oh we love God with all of our hearts I wouldn't need such a thing really I wonder if some of the things we go through in life don't evolve around some of our necessities for thorns. You see, those great people around the message of the hour, and they're so deep, and they're so revelated, and they're so mild, they're just, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else in the Word, and they never have any trials? I don't believe them. There's, it does not match the Word of God. If they're not tried on every hand, if they're not afflicted and all the powers of hell coming against them, I question the divinity or the source of their revelations. Well, praise God. Now, Paul said, lest I should be spiritually proud. Now, you know, this is something I know that we don't like to deal with and we don't like to really look at, but how dangerous self-exaltation must be in the presence of God. Now, here's a man with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a prophet seeing visions, no doubt had dreams, all types of revelations from the Word. I mean, you read his words and they're absolutely astounding. Not because it is the teaching of Gamaliel that is coming out in Paul's writings. It is through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why would a man like that need something to affect his flesh and it would hit him and he'd get better and then it would hit him and then he'd get better? Why would you need something like that with the Holy Ghost? It's because we still love ourselves so much. 
Come on now, you brothers too. Y'all might as well say amen. We love ourselves. We just flat do. And that's why we'll eat things sometimes. And the doctor said, don't eat that. It's going to kill you. But we just want it so bad. We do it anyhow. We do things that ain't even good for us. And yet why? Because we want to please ourselves for the moment more so than the long lasting enduring outcome that's going to bring because of it. Now, Paul said, because this is a great understanding about the new birth. I hate to say it, but I'm afraid some around our message do not understand it. Because they feel like once you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, oh my, you're going to have no more struggles. What version did you get that out of? I sure not found in the King James. I'm not sure where that comes from. But you know, we understand that Paul, a man that was so surrendered to God that God would allow him. And he said, I knew a man about 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. I knew such an one that was carried into the third heaven and heard things that was not even lawful for a man to utter. A man that his soul must have been carried totally out of his body and brought into a realm, whether it was a theophanic appearance or not, he does not say but something so heavenly and so wonderful in the presence of God. Well, why didn't that experience keep him? Well, why didn't Brother Ram's experience beyond the curtain of time keep him from getting ready to go off the field and standing in the gap and telling us he's fixing to make one of the greatest mistakes of his life? You know why? There was a William Branham that was converted and there was a William Branham that wasn't. Well, praise God. There's a Donnie Reagan that's converted. I only call him Donnie because I don't know his original name. He's got another name, which is a word name. But there's a Donnie Reagan, which is converted, which has got the Holy Ghost. And there's a Donnie Reagan that though I've been living for my life for the Lord all these years, he ain't a bit more saved now whenever I'll be 64 in a little bit than I was whenever I first got the Holy Ghost. When I first got saved, something moved in my heart. He ain't a bit more saved today than he was then. Because my flesh, my spirit has not been born again. They're subject. Yes, they are subject to the life that lives in me. But they still don't like it. They still don't like going to church. They don't like turning the other cheek. They don't like praying for my enemies. They don't like doing them types of things. But the soul says, shut up and obey what I tell you to do. Well, I don't feel like going to church, but you're going anyhow. You're the preacher. You're going, and whenever you get there, you're going to clap your hands. You're going to sing. You're going to worship God. You're going to live right. I don't want to. I'd ever ask if you wanted to do it. Hallelujah. Notice Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, plural. I want you to notice this word, Brother Darrell, that Paul uses. There was given to me. <laughs> given, implying it was a favor. <laughs> God gave me this gift. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. That hurts so bad. Thank you. Now you see, now I'm moving into a realm to even a lot of message folks. I'll lose them right here. Because instead of us thanking God when difficulty comes our way, we complain and grumble and gripe. God, I've been safe for so long. God, I've been a Christian. Like, what, what, what are you saying? God owes you something? God owes you something because you've been living for him. God owes you and to be this, this bubble that's free from trouble. No, he owes us nothing. 
But Paul said, there was given to me. Oh, I wonder when it hit him, Brother Darrell, and he began to think about it. Lord, what in the world is going on? Now you can see by the way that he relates it to us that he thought that it was something he was going to be completely, totally delivered from. Which is what we do many times whenever we're praying about a situation in our life. Now let me tell you what I do when I'm going through something. I'm going through a thing in life and I'm not sure exactly. Now is this a trial that the Lord is letting me go through? Or is it the devil that's trying to rob me of my victory? Now if it's a trial and it's the Lord allowing it to happen in my life, I don't want to rebuke it. I don't want to stand against the will of God. But if it's the devil that's trying to rob me of some victory, I don't want to accept that under the disguise of a trial. So I'll tell you what I do. I go before God and I say, Lord, is there anything wrong? Is there anything I've done? Is there anything I've said? Should I have said some things in preaching that I didn't say? Lord, please help me. I wait, I pray, I wait that I give him time to answer me back. If he don't say nothing, I'll pray more. And I give him time to answer me back. I take, if he says nothing, I take his silence as a no. I'm giving him the opportunity to say, yes, Donnie, you should have done this. You shouldn't have said that. You should have went there and said you went over there. Okay, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Then remove this thing from my life. But if he says absolutely nothing, I'm his son. He is my father. I'm giving him the opportunity to chastise me, to correct me. If he does not, then I say, all right, I'm looking at this. It is a trial that Satan is trying to put upon me. He's trying to steal my joy, my rob my peace. He's trying to mimic this and make it look like it's God trying my face. When in reality he's got a gun stuck to my back and said stick them up. I want all your joy. I want all your peace. I want your satisfaction. Instead of you having peace with God I want you to blame God for this. Instead of you and say praise God. The Lord is my victory. I want you to say there ain't no way out. Oh we can't do it. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. No. Whenever I go through that then I meet the devil right face to face and I say, all right, Satan, you've tried to act like you're your God. That's what you've tried to do. You've tried to act like you're God and you're trying me. But it ain't God. It's you, you liar. And you're trying to put something on me and make me think it's a test of my face. But you are a liar. This body is my ground. It is my inheritance as long as I live in it. And you have no right in me, Satan, leave me my body in the name of Jesus there's power in his name is that right now Paul looks at him and he prays Lord you know what what is going on and he said for this I sought the Lord three times now I realize there's folks who think once you ask God for something once you should never ask him again well that ain't what Paul taught well praise the Lord you remember when Brother Branham was here, or the Lord Jesus, rather, let me go to this example first. And he prayed for the man that was blind. And I, I, I see men as trees walking. Well, the Lord Jesus didn't say, well, I can't pray for you again for the same thing. So I guess you're stuck with where you are. But he prayed for him again. Right? Those of you that has been watching the series that's been put out uh, by uh, Brother Bisco's testimony, and you see the one in there where he talked about the little child that was blind and had and Brother Bisco sitting real close to the front. 
And he was able to see close enough to where he could see the color of the child's eye and see that it was real white and milky. Brother Branham prayed for it several times. Prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Then he prayed one more time. And every, every time before, he would raise up the child and look at the child and the child's eyes were still blind. But the last time when he prayed, laid hands on the child and prayed, then he spun the child around. Amen. And didn't even look at it this time. Something must have happened. He knew that the child's eyes had come open. And Brother Biscoe said there he sat, like the third row in the auditorium, and saw that child's eyes come open. And Brother Rannon picks up the child and holds it up. Hallelujah. Showing the people there. So yes, Jesus gave us the parable of the unjust judge. And that woman, that widow that come and said, Judge, avenge me. She didn't go one time and say, well I guess I can't go by but over and over and over again oh hallelujah and Jesus said how much more shall your father hear you I'm, I'm on your hands Lord Jesus amen but brother Donnie don't it mean I'm doubting it does not mean you're doubting if you're doubting then stop doing it but just remind God of his word father I thank you I am healed I rebuke this devil out of my body in the name of Jesus oh I've always been taught you couldn't mention it again but you need to to rethink your teaching look back in the scripture ask it over and over again and give God praise for it now your Paul said I sought the Lord three times oh my isn't it amazing that Paul didn't develop an attitude against God but look at what God does God carries you up into heaven and God gives you all these revelations and then God whoops the fire out of you that's what kind of God he is No, but Paul said, I got a gift from the Lord. God give me another gift. He said, really, Paul, what was it? Thorn, a briar. Y'all, y'all, y'all got thorns in your hands before, right? Or skin or whatever it is. Boy, you talking about hurting. Them things, and many of them are so small and so tiny. The thorns on a rose bush or, or blackberries. I remember as a kid, we used to have to go, go pick blackberries. And, oh, I hated that. I hated them things, them thorns in there. I didn't like to taste them things no way. Sure didn't want to get pricked all the pieces picking them. But mom, my grandmother, we called her mom. And come on, boys, we got to go pick them. Mom, I don't hate them things. I don't want to get in them blackberries. I got more thorns than they blackberries, I think. So I never, never one time that I ever said, oh, fuck. Thank God for a thorn. Mom would have thought I was crazy then. But you imagine people reading this and Paul, out of all of his gifts, revelation, understanding, knowledge, prudence, liberty in Christ, and all that he got, he said, God gave me another gift today. What was it, Paul? A thorn. It hurts so bad. It gouges me. And I tried to dig it out. But he told me, don't you touch it. You leave it alone. But Lord, it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. Paul, you're going to have to trust me on this one. But Lord, I, what, what about the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is doing its part. Visions are doing their part. Understanding of the words doing its part. But Paul, I know you. I know you. I know you better than you know yourself. So you're going to have to trust me on this one. Lord, speak to us today. 
For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I just wonder about, you know, what we've been going through. My, my, I, I just, I hate it so bad. Oh, do I miss going to a restaurant and sitting down and Sure, I miss that sort of thing. Do you miss being able to go here and there and there? Sure, but there ain't nothing I miss like church. Amen. I miss church more than anything in the world. Secondly to that, my family and you know all the things that we do in life. But you're really wondering, look at this and you're saying, wow, Satan pulled one over on us. You mean that's the way you look at your God? You look at your God being so weak and so powerless that he, he would allow him to knock us out of church? I wonder if there's not a mightier hand. Oh, I know there's all type of conspiracy theories going around, this and that and the other. My God is bigger than all the conspiracy theories that people can have. Oh, they're going to take our liberties, Brother Donnie. They're going to take this. Well, if they do, they can only do it because our God allows it. And if they do, it means we're closer to the rapture than I thought we were. Praise be to God if that's what it takes I say bring it on Lord Jesus if need be if they shut our doors we'll have church just like this as long as you brothers are willing to come and help me and we'll do it here as long as we can if we can't do it then we'll do it in my basement we'll do whatever we got to do to be able to make a church my God is bigger than any virus my God is bigger than any state mandate or a law from some governor somewhere he's still in control it makes me wonder is it not trying to speak to our heart have we taken church for granted? Have we taken assembling ourselves for granted? Oh, you can always go to church. Really? I wonder if some of our trips here and there and there, oh my, haven't meant more to us than sometimes going to the house of God. How many Dollywood trips would you trade off for a weekend for church? <laughs> oh, praise God. Notice this. Hebrews series chapter 3. Brother Ram said, Paul said that I will glory in my infirmities. Because he said I would be exalted above the abundance of the revelation. There was given to me a messenger of the devil. A thorn in the flesh that buffet me. It'd get better for a while. Then away they go again. Buffet mean blow after blow. Like the ship on a sea, you know, the waves buffet it. Blow after blow. And what's this all for, this great gift? To defeat the pride of life. Praise God. wonder sometimes if the Lord don't allow folks to talk about us, kind of run us down a little bit to, Humble us. Most of us, it hurts our feelings. Yeah, it hurts our feelings. It still hurts mine, believe it or not. I'm not just as numb as this piece of red ochre on top of this desk. I mean, I've had my picture and papers all around the world and been on international televisions and all that sort of thing. Make you feel good, brother? Nope. Don't care if I ever have my picture and paper again. Matter of fact, I really don't want it. I really ain't looking forward to it. But you look at all these things and you're saying, but does it do something for us that we need to be done that maybe would never let nobody ever know? 
Well, praise God. Thank God for a man like this that let us know. Now watch. So it was blow after blow. And he would get better and then have it again. Then get better and have it again. And he said, Lord, what's the matter? You don't take this away from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient, Paul. Just keep on. And he said, if I was just perfect and everything. Now notice, everything was just perfect and said, then when I, I went wrong, oh, I'd get puffed up and say, you see, nothing wrong with me. Oh, you see, God allows sometimes his men servants, preachers, to go through physical things. Sometimes spiritual things. Sometimes great oppression from the outside world and so on. You know why? Right here's the thing. Oh, he said, if, if, if I, all, all my issues of life, and my, I've never had no problems in my body, never had no opposition, never had no trouble. Notice what the flesh would do. Now we're talking about somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, nothing wrong with me. The Lord takes care of me, brother. Hallelujah. You mean to tell me human beings can take the great word hallelujah, which is shared in our language and angelic language as well. The angels use this same word in heaven. And we can take that and blend it in with our pride. Praise God. I ain't took an aspirin since man back in World War I. Oh, I ain't been to no doctor. Glory to God. I, I don't go to doctors. I, I got more faith I, I, to you. You're bragging on yourself. Boasting. Vain talk. Brag it. And by that, you're trying to violate those who just went to a doctor last week and exalting yourself above them. Praise the Lord. You think this helped me the, here a month, two months ago, whatever it was, and this incident happened to me Saturday night right in front of the whole world? You think I liked it? No. Do I know what happened? I don't. But if I got an attitude against God, no. I got an attitude against the devil. I said I got an attitude against the devil. But it's a holy attitude, so it's all right. So God allows things to come our way that sometimes are embarrassing and sometimes humiliating. But it's for the greater good. It's for the greater cause because you never know what evil spirits is moving among people and trying to whisper this and that and the other to them. And Paul, you imagine Paul, and we know, of course, this was his eyes. So he sees the Lord Jesus on the way to Damascus. And his eyes, he goes blind, he can't see. And an eyes comes and prays for him. God heals him. Paul no doubt thinks, praise God. I'll never have to deal with that again. Boy, that was so scary. That was awful. But then he goes on in revelations, goes on in mysteries, goes on in the depth of the preaching. He notices his eyes. Lord Jesus, what in the world? 
Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Satan, leave me. And his eyes would get better again. Lord, Lord, no, please, God, I've got to write this word. I've got, I've got to write it, God. Please don't let me lose my eyes, God, please. I sought the Lord three times, and the Lord said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, Paul, from now on, every time a person comes up with an issue in their eyes, you'll feel for them like never before. I guarantee every time Brother Darrell hears a prayer request of somebody having back problems, every time somebody texts me or sends me an email, Brother Donnie, would you please pray for me? I'm having a kidney stone. To many of you that ain't had them, that's a word. But to me, it's an experience. One I don't like. One I don't care for. Don't you understand why? He had to kenosis himself to him. Human feelings, human fallings, human shortcomings was a word. But he wanted to experience it in his own body. Glory to God. He wanted to experience feelings of failure, feelings of shortcomings, feelings of something within himself that pulled him away to do wrong. He never done wrong, but he must allow himself to feel that pull. Brother Aaron said, he said, Lord, what's the matter? Won't you take this from me? He said, my grace is sufficient, Paul. And he said, if, I, if I'm just perfect and perfect everything, I'd get puffed up and say, you see, nothing wrong with me. The Lord takes care of me, brother. Hallelujah. Then you're getting self-righteous. Now listen, little children. God has to give you a little something once in a while to kind of meeking you up. Now, Daniel Webster probably never had this uh, word in his dictionary, but we'll use it. To kind of meeking you up a little, you know, that's right, kind of make you realize that he's the boss. Now, it was boss problems that caused Satan to rebel in heaven. So apparently, even as converted people, the potential lays in us for boss problems. Oh, praise God. We want to take our life in our own hands. Well, I think this and this is what I believe and that, that's boss problems. Notice, but he has to kind of meeken you up, he said, to make you realize he's the boss. <laughs> oh, what a crescendo to the end of this quote. Oh, isn't he wonderful? Amen. Yes, sir, just glory. Notice this presentation of my ministry. You see, Paul had a ministry greater than all the rest of the apostles put together. Some of them could have said, well, I walked to Jesus. Well, a man on the street walked with him when he was here. But Paul saw him in the pillar of fire after he was dead, buried, ascended into heaven, returned back and called Paul on the road to Damascus. And he had a greater ministry than Matthew, Mark, Luke, or any of them others. He was far beyond. Oh, humans love far beyond. We love being 
above others. We just do. Even converted humans. It ain't no wonder to me that Brother Branham had so many hardships in his life. He was a human. Brother Don, you're not going going to dare say Brother Branham needed it. I'm going to dare say it. Brother Branham was a sinner that need to be saved just like us. And after he got saved, he had the Holy Ghost, but William Branham's flesh went a bit more saved than yours is this morning. And he had that humanity. He said, my greatest enemy is William Branham. I wonder how it makes God feel when we glorify William Branham's greatest enemy. When we glorify the flesh of William Branham and we glorify the man William Branham, we will not allow him to be a human. We will not allow him to make mistakes. I'm not going to do that because that's blasphemy. He was a human. He made mistakes. He had shortcomings. But he was able to rise above those mistakes and fulfill the word of God for his life. Oh my. Notice this, he said, and except I should be exalted now and say, Now, you fellas don't know nothing about it. Now, let me ask you to think. What clique, what clan in this message does not say that very same thing? The seven thunder, the return ministry, the perusia, the stay at home and play tape now, which is the last big move that will strike the message. The Lord had me to tell you years and years ago, if you'll remember, that the Branham thing would be the last move that would strike before the rapture. We're seeing it. We're seeing it. It's contrary to the word of God. It's contrary to the scriptures. Contrary to the message. But what do every one of them say? They want to place themselves to this spot. Oh, you all are Pentecostals. What if you think that is going to bring me down? You're crazy as a June bug. When you want to compliment me that I am the original Pentecost, I count that one of the greatest compliments you could ever give me. Especially when I find Brother Branham saying in 1962, Pentecost is God. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and call me Pentecostal all you want to. That's exactly right. Because my heart has been restored back to the original apostolic faith. The apostolic faith didn't believe in staying home. They did not believe in staying home and reading Paul's books. They did not believe, hallelujah, no such false things as seventh under blood. They believed in the blood of the Lord Jesus. They believed his presence was there, but they kept on having communion and foot washing and preaching to the lost. That's what my faith is restored back to. But what has Satan done? Slipped right among us with what? The pride of life. So then they say, oh, we're so blessed. We know all of these things. And all the rest of these poor message people, they're just Pentecostals. They're just so blind. They're so blind. They're looking for a rapture. And here I am. You've got to be kidding me. You're 50 pounds overweight. You got high blood, glycemia, glaucoma. You've got the office bunch of stuff ever was, and you are the consummation of the rapture. Dear God, somebody shoot me now. <laughs> oh, praise God. We're in the hidden secret place in God. Hallelujah. That ain't the way Brother Brandon preached the rapture. He preached there was a physical going away. Don't you spiritualize my body changed. I am looking for my body to be changed. Amen. But what does every one of them do? In the pride of life. 
We've got it. And nobody else does. Oh my, well they say we walked with him. Well so did all the people around in Galilee and Nazareth. Well, Brother Donnie, you always keep this in mind. Brother Branham never called your name on tape. I'm aware of that. He never laid hands on you. That's exactly right. I know that as well. And many of these men, they walked with him. And what did a lot of them go out and prove? Show me a dozen of them that's faithful. Show me a dozen of them that did not use that in their own way to try to build a kingdom after the prophet of God was here. I'm going to go ahead and say it. There's men of God on the face of the earth today that never walked with the prophet of God. They never sat in one meeting and they by far, by the grace of God, have got more understanding, more revelation, have done more for the kingdom of God than many of them men who called her, he called their name over and over again. Because a lot of them, all they've done was build their own kingdom instead of trying to propagate the kingdom of of God oh my goodness thank you Jesus notice paragraph 63 but you see Paul had talked with him and saw him in the form that he was before he was made flesh and he commissioned Paul in that state while he was in the light and commissioned Paul and he said except I get exalted and feel a little higher than some of you brothers I hear the spiritual pride of life. Well, God let me lay hands on so-and-so. And they got healed. God let me. You think you're the only one that that's happening to? It's happening all over the world. It's happening among the black brothers. It's happening among the Indian brothers. It's happening all over the world. Some men are more known than others. But it don't mean they're doing more miracles. And keep this in mind. I just heard the prophet say it yesterday. The false anointed ones in the last day will do the exact same miracles that the true. He said you cannot judge them by miracles. But you judge them by the word. They will stand there on that day. Lord, I cast out devils in your name. I've done this and that and the other. He'll say, I'll say to them, depart from me. You worker of iniquity, I never knew. I believe in miracles. I've seen them since I was in Pentecost. I know some folks have just had a resurgence. They ain't never left our church. We've had them for decades. Thank God. Oh, I don't make a big thing and send out an article about it and do this and that and other. They're constantly happening right among us. Amen. But I'll tell you one thing, friend. We never want to get to that spot to where we look down on others and think, well... They don't know nothing. I heard Brother Bram say it this week. God is able of alley rats. Alley rats to raise up people to serve him. Happy Valley Church won't go on. God will raise up alley rats. Amen. But for me and my house, we're going to go on. Notice this. Except I get exalted and feel a little higher than some of you brothers. There was given to me a messenger of the devil that keeps him beat down. And he said, I sought the Lord three times to take it away from him. And he said, Saul or Paul, my grace is sufficient. Then Paul said, I'll glory in my infirmities because when I am weak, then I am strong. See, I will glory in it. Again, he says, we notice in Paul the great revelation that he had of Jesus Christ, who he was. It was so great to know. God put it in the Bible. That's how great it was. That's the reason. Oh, my goodness. 
I know we don't want to associate them together, but actually thorns and revelations go hand in hand. Praise God. Brother God, I've never been so tried in my life. I've never been. I'm closer to the Lord. I'm walking in that word. Duh. If you was an old cold backslider living out there in Laodicea, don't you reckon it'd be a whole lot easier on you? Of course it would. I remember several years ago when I was dealing with a series here at the church. Oh my goodness, it's on the realm of demonology. And the more I dealt with it, the more I preached, the more havoc come in the church. People getting sick, people getting diseases, one thing after another after another. I'll never forget as long as I'm living. I'm in my right mind. On a Monday after the service on the weekend, two service Saturday and Sunday. Oh my goodness, the Lord had moved in such a tremendous way. People getting healed and things happening. And at the same time on Monday, I had five or six reports of people with sickness and this and that and the other. As you can hear my voice. The devil spoke to me in an audible voice and he said, If you will let up, I'll let up on you. Because he knew the way to my heart was my sheep. I stood right there. I couldn't see him in no visible body, of course. But I stood right there and said, you lying devil out of hell. I'm going to go back to the pulpit Wednesday night and I'm going to preach it again. God, give me breath. I'm going to keep on preaching it. I ain't making no deal with you, devil. It shows me how bad you hate the word of God. So when he comes against you, don't go, go, go hide yourself. Don't bury your head in the sand like an ostrich. But stand right there on the word of God. I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't understand where I'm at. But I know one thing. Even what I don't understand understand his will I can trust his heart I may not always make sense of his will I may not always make sense of where I'm at but I've learned to trust him since a boy that's the reason he was given a thorn in the flesh to keep him down so he wouldn't get big and exalted isn't this strange brother Darrell that the Holy Ghost don't keep you down. The Holy Ghost lifts you up. You know that. You come to church and you're so down, hear a song, you're so down, pick up a scripture, turn on a tape. Well, the Spirit of God just lifts you up and just so helps you. And then God says, okay, I need something to bring old Louie down a little bit. Let's adjust him. God said, wrap up a thorn in a pretty little box. Put a little bow on it, a little ribbon. Say, to Louis from Papa. And Louis said, oh, praise God. Wonder what this is. It ain't a box of little babies, for sure. Praise God. I'm getting something good from Papa. Oh, I know it's got to be so wonderful and so good. It is. But just not in the way we would look at good. So little Louie takes his little package and he takes a little bow off the top. Oh, he cherishes that little bow. And he unwraps the little ribbon and he takes a little paper. Off. Oh, he's going to keep every strap of it. He's going to keep every piece of it because it comes from Papa. And he opens up the box. And my, it's a pretty good sized box. And he's thinking, reckon what it is. $100 bill, sure as the world. It's a box of little dibs. It's them little lemon ones and them little apple ones. And Oh my, Oh, it's Mother Day cakes. That's what it is, them little special Mother Day. Oh, I can't wait, I can't Lord. He's, he's just slobbering at the mouth. And he opens it up. And he looks at it. He says, you lying devil. That has to be from hell. 
But the address says heaven. P.O. Box 777. And Louis says, well, Papa, there must be a bad mistake. And all of a sudden he hears Papa's voice within his heart saying, Louis, this is yours, buddy. Keep in mind, every day it hurts you. It reminds you of how much I love you. I care for you, Louis. But I care for you beyond your existence now. You see, you look at it, Louis, and you say, I would never, I would never send Andy a thorn. I would never send my daughter. Never. But see, that's human love, and we try to size him up by human love. But he loves us beyond now. He loves us so much that he wants us with him in eternity. And he knows how we are. He knows that this has to have sometimes beaten down and struggles and difficulty. And we just say, God, why? Why? The prophet said God kept him down and small so he could use him in different parts of the country for him to do what he wanted because he had the revelation of Jesus Christ of who he was. Can Satan understand this? Of course not. Can modern day Christianity understand such? Of course not. They're not preaching crosses. They're preaching Mercedes. BMWs, new Cadillacs. My, my, they're not preaching these types of things, cross and, and difficulty and hardships. No, they're preaching the blessings of God. I love the blessings of God. Oh, but I'll tell you how I appreciate when Father gives me a personalized gift. Well, I'm not asking for it. Believe me today, I'm not there on his mailing list. God, you got a couple extra thorns nobody's name on, I'll take them. No, I'm saying, Lord, if you don't mind, could you remove the ones I've got? I'm not looking for no extra thorn, but I look at it, my brothers and my sisters, as gifts from my Father. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads together. Hallelujah. My, a new car, fine home, a good job, new clothes, that's not just the pride of life. Brother Branham says in 1954, he said, I seen a selfish spirit raising up in me the other day. You know what Brother Branham was saying? He said, I was saying, this person is wrong. So and so and so, they're wrong and I need to tell them about it. And he identified that as a selfish spirit. He said, no, it ain't my place to tell them. It's up to God to tell them. What does selfishness identify with? Pride of life. Pride of life. So Brother Branham then standing there in that position, I need to tell him. I need to tell him. It wasn't the lust of the flesh, it wasn't the lust of the eyes, but the pride of life. Oh, God help us. Heavenly Father, from Canada to France, to Alabama, to the north, wherever we're gathered today, Lord, this means of the internet, we have our heads bowed in your awesome presence. We ask you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy. Give us the understanding and the ability, Father, 
to find out between a trial and Satan trying to mimic a trial or a thorn that you have allowed to come our way. Lord, we're not free from trouble. Lord, right now, I currently know of about eight or nine people dealing with diagnosis of cancer in their bodies. Saints, good people. But yet, Lord Jesus, you never promised saints would be exempt from all the things we're going through. We live in such an age of chemical exposure. It's in our air, our water, our food we eat. No doubt man has caused a lot of this. Yet, Lord, you never told us, well, my bride in the last day will live in this cancer age, but none of my people will get it. Our cells are like other people's cells. Our body, our atoms, our DNA. In reality, if some people want to get mad at somebody, they should get mad at their mom and their daddy. Because in their DNA, some of it they inherited from their mama, or their daddy, or their grandma, or their grandpa. But of course, they won't get mad at them, they get mad at you. Oh Lord, I pray you would help us, Father. Help us not to be exalted in our pride. Well, I'm a Christian. I pray. I do this as if, though, that would buy our rights to healing. There's one merit that I claim today for healing of my body when I'm sick. And that is when they tied my husband to a whipping post. And they took that cat of nine tails and they hit your back and they whipped you till you were so weak you could hardly walk when you got up. Strips of meat hanging from your back from the shards of glass and metal that were tied to the end of that whip. You suffered stripes so we could be healed. I'm not healed today because I'm a preacher. I'm not healed today because I've been saved for 50-some years of my life. Because I read your word. I'm healed today by your stripes. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your children, Lord, out on the internet. Some of them, Father, with cancer in their body. Some of them, Lord, with infections. Lord, you know how my heart has been broke during this time. Some of the people have been in the hospital and I can't even go see them and pray for them. Just breaks my heart, Father, as their shepherd. Lord, I can't get to them, but you can get to them right now. The brothers with me in the building, we join our faith together. Glory be to God. In the name of Jesus. I send your healing virtue to your children this morning, Lord. Right there in the living rooms, Lord, in their office, wherever they are. In the name of Jesus, may cancer lose its hold. Hallelujah. May high blood pressure, whatever it is, may oppression and depression in their spirits, worry and fear and anxiety. Satan, we speak to you today. In the great name of the Lord Jesus. And we say to you, house of hell, give way to the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, glory be to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, may your healing virtue, Lord God, go to that husband, that wife, that son, that daughter. 
In the name of Jesus, Satan, you have lost your hold. We belong to Jesus Christ. We are his. We are his people. We are the people of his inheritance. We are the people of his kingdom. We are the people of his body. The people of his desire. You have no claim on us. May depression leave them now, Father. May suicide leave them now, Father. In the name of Jesus, may oppression from the enemy, Lord, about their future and their jobs and whatever more. May the glimmer of light break through now, Father, in their homes. In the name of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord God, we worship you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God.
praise the Lord. I know you enjoyed. I know you enjoyed this service today. I know you appreciate the word of the Lord. God keeps us where He can use us, and I want to be willing to stay right where He can use me. And I know you do too. Let's sing the little song we learned, Brother Harry. Let's sing some more of that. Jesus, I love to call on Your name. Let's sing a little bit more of that, if you will. Jesus. How I love, how I love to call on your name. Oh Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, every day, oh you're still the same. Yeah. 
service Wednesday night. Brother Darrell, would you come, buddy? Give thanks for this service today. Give thanks to the Lord for our congregation that's watching. May they be blessed. May they be encouraged. Certainly appreciate our buddy here. God bless you, brother. Amen. You, brother Darrell. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. What a privileged people we are to be able to call upon that name. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, our hearts, our hearts, Lord, just overflow today. Lord, as the song says, we drink from the saucer because our cups are overflowing, Lord. To know, dear God, of your love for us. To know, dear God, that the things that you've given us in this hour to overcome with, dear God, the revelation of your word, Lord. Knowing, dear God, that we are victorious no matter what punch the enemy would throw at us, dear God. You are the counterpunch, Lord. We just want to thank you today for the things that we've heard, Lord. Knowing, dear God, that many of the afflictions of the righteous, but you said in your word that you would deliver us from them all, Lord. God, we just thank you, Lord, for Brother Donnie. We thank you for the word, Lord, that you put upon his heart to give to us today. And we receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for each family streaming all around the world, dear God, and at home today. We long for that hour, Lord, as our brother Jewel sings that song. Won't it be a time when we gather back together again? For it's written, Lord, in thy word, where the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Oh, what a privilege it is to serve you today, Lord. May you return the strength to our precious brother. Lord, those that have come to make this service possible, give them traveling grace as they make their way home today. Lord, we just love you and we commit these things into your hands for your glory, Lord. We're just so grateful, dear God, for all that you've done for us, for all that you've given us, Lord. Father, I just was sitting there as they were singing that song, Lord. I, I remember, God, it's just... I was just a boy, about 12-year-old, I suppose, riding a bicycle down on Watauga Avenue, Lord. My, my mama wouldn't let me ride on the street, so I was riding on the sidewalk. God, I'll never forget, there was a, a building there, Lord, that the parking space was behind the building. And Lord, I was riding down that sidewalk as fast as I could, Lord. And I looked up, and there was a car pulling across it to go into the back parking lot. Just a boy, but I cried out, Jesus. Lord, all I know is I was on the other side of the car. Lord, I just want to thank you for the power of the name of Jesus, Lord. That we can hold it over our family, dear God. As the prophet of God said, as the judgment rod was in the hand of Moses, so is the name of Jesus in the hand of the believer today. And we hold that name, dear God. We hold it over our symptoms. We hold it over, dear God, the afflictions the enemy brings against us. And in the name of Jesus, we are the victorious people of God. For it is the name of your family, God. How we love you today. How we glorify your name. How we thank you, Lord. We know our Redeemer liveth. For he lives in our heart, Lord. No wonder the grave is empty. He's not there. He's here with his people today. Oh, hallelujah. How we thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you, saints, today. He lives. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Morning. I see you in the sunrise every morning. It's like a picture that you painted for me. Love letter in the But you came down from heaven to restore me. You forever save my life. Thank you, Lord. Nobody loves me like you love me, Jesus. I stand in all of your amazing. I am breathing God you are faithful and true nobody loves me like you mountains you're breaking down the weight of all my mountains even when it feels like surrounded you never leave my side nobody loves me like you love me Jesus I stand in all of your amazing ways I worship you as long Nobody loves me like you. 